Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 63. Guess what? It's a great big world out there, and you don't have to be scared, because it's all yours for the taking. I know that your dreams are big and bright, and God gave you this life to do crazy things. Hi, Principal Matters podcast listeners. This is Will Parker, principal from Skytook High School and host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you innovative, imaginative, and inspiring ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about reflecting on regrets and rewards. If you would like free resources like this one, you can check out my website at williamdparker.com. If you'd like to subscribe for free weekly updates, I'll send you a free ebook called Eight Hats, Essential Roles for School Leaders. Or you can check out my book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, Courage, and Teamwork Needed for School Leaders at my website or at amazon.com. You know, recently I was listening to an interview between Daniel Bauer and Jethro Jones on Daniel Bauer's podcast called Better Leaders, Better Schools. And he asked Jethro a really interesting question. He said, what is one of your regrets from your time at your school? And I really liked Jethro's response. Jethro is a principal from Alaska, and he actually responded by saying that it was the relationships that he had in his work where he wished he had better built a bridge of understanding between himself and some of his colleagues um, whom he was trying to help understand the teamwork needed to serve their schools. And I liked his answer because it was honest, and I believe it also reflected on an area that probably all of us would agree we struggle the most. You know, as important as it is to celebrate our wins with students and schools, it's also a good reality check to reflect on where we can each improve in our school leadership. And when I think about my own regrets in school leadership, as I thought about them after that podcast, I think that having spent nine years as as an assistant principal and four years as a high school principal, which I am presently, the bulk of the conflicts that I seem to have happened over the years um, have dealt with a lot of scenarios that are simply too confidential to talk about in public. But when I think about what regrets I've had through those, almost all of them involve relationships. Even when I think back to my classroom years, I don't have a lot of regrets about my curriculum decisions, although I always had room for improvement. When I think back to all the years I've spent in school admin, I don't regret the duties or responsibilities I had to manage, although I always had room for improvement. When I think about the regrets in my work, they almost always center on times when differing perspectives with others caused conflict or misunderstanding or disagreement or letdowns, whether they were intentional or not, or whether they were ones that were because of my inability to understand or because of someone else's inability to to understand. And I imagine you can relate. You know, I'll give you an example from my years in the classroom. I can remember one time when I was still a classroom teacher in my very first year or two that I had a parent conference with a mother who told me that her son had come home upset when I had refused to give him credit for a test question that he said he had marked correctly on a test. And as she explained the scenario to me, I remembered that the student had brought me a test after it had been graded and passed back. And it appeared he had erased and rewritten the answers after I had passed the test back and gone over it with the class. 
And so I told him I couldn't give him credit at, the, at that point because it was too late for me to know whether he had corrected it or had marked it incorrectly after we had gone over it in class review. And the mother explained to me that my assumption that he was practicing academic dishonesty um, actually was very hard for him emotionally. Uh, she said it, it kind of crushed him because he had such great respect for me that it hurt him to think I didn't trust him. Now, this was a situation that when I reflect back now on 20 years later, I can actually see both sides. On the one hand, the mom had never seen my interactions with students besides her son. She didn't know that I had students, many students, like most classroom teachers who attempt to hide notes uh, during testing or who try to take pictures of assessments on the phones and share them with friends. Uh, so she had never experienced what it's like to have to monitor academic honesty or dishonesty. And, but at the same time, I was a very young teacher. And I, when I think back to the instructional practice that I used, although it was great to review answers, I also probably could have asked, which I began doing after that moment, for students to put their writing utensils away while we reviewed them so that I wouldn't have any questions of whether or not they had changed their answers during review. So looking back, that was actually a transition moment for me because I saw perspective from a parent that I didn't understand before. I changed some of my instructional practices on test reviews. But what I didn't really understand uh, until I was much older was how dismissive I must have seemed to the student. You know, this was likely a 20-second interaction with a student that, frankly, I never thought about afterwards until the mom brought it up. And as she explained to me very politely not because she wanted points back for her son, but because she wanted me to know how much my opinion of her son mattered, I began to think that maybe I missed it with that student. Now, that's a very small example of one that I can share publicly. But when I think back to that situation now 20 years later, I don't regret that I made a judgment call with the best information I had at the time. But I do regret that I was unaware of how powerful a 20-second interaction could be with a student. So what's the lesson well, I think in our practice, the good news is that when we become aware of moments where we miss it, then these can help us to be mindful of the interactions that we have with students and others so that going forward, we can be more aware of our practice. The bad news is that I've probably made that same mistake a thousand times without noticing it. You know, our words are powerful, uh, whether we're in the classroom or whether we're in school leadership. And this was actually brought home to me last night. I am presently at the time of this recording in Washington, D.C. for an advocacy meeting with the National Association of Secondary Principals, and I'm a state coordinator. And so I have the opportunity to visit the Hill tomorrow and to uh, talk to four congressmen and two senators from my state with partners from my state who have come with me and it's this time of the year when uh, we gather and discuss advocacy issues. And so last night, uh, we had gathered together for our first evening of advocacy conference. And I was eating dinner when I noticed that one of the workers that was serving dinner at the hotel was wearing a badge from a culinary school. And his name was Thomas. And because I love to learn, I asked Thomas how he became involved in this kind of work. And over the next 10 minutes or so, he began to share with me that he grew up in an urban area of Washington, D.C., uh, from a poor neighborhood where most boys, as he said, were not expected to live past the age of 17 because of gang violence. And when he was 14 years old, his mother sent him to live with his brother in San Diego. And while he was there, he studied hard and he graduated from high school. 
But when he moved back to D.C., he began to make decisions that resulted in addiction uh, and eventually joblessness. And he was explaining to me that in this past year, he had checked into rehab. And while he was there, he was given the chance to train with a local culinary school. And now that he's finished, he is clean and he's happily employed. And while he finished his story, um, I was just smiling, listening to him uh, and watching how proud he was of the achievements that he's recently made and how proud he was of the work that he was doing that evening um, at, at that dinner. And so I just wanted to make sure he knew how proud I am of him as an educator. So I told him I'm a school principal and I love his story. And I, and I asked him, I said, if you had a message for educators who have students like you were in school, what would you tell them? And Thomas thought for a second, and then he looked at me and said, if I could say any message, it would actually be to my teacher, Miss Lagong, who taught me in San Diego. He said, she's retired, and I don't know where she is now, but I would tell her this. Thanks for never giving up on me. He said, she always believed in me and told me that she knew I could finish school and be successful in life. It's taken me a lot of years to believe that, but I'd want her to know that, and I'd want to tell her thanks. Now, obviously, if I could find Mrs. Lagong, I would tell her this message from Thomas. So if anyone knows a Miss Lagong who lives in San, San Diego and is a retired teacher, please pass along this message to her from Thomas. But I bet it's safe to say that Miss Lagong probably was a great teacher. And I hope as she looks back at her years in the classroom, that instead of thinking of the regrets that she may have experienced in her work, I hope that she knows that no matter how many wrong calls that she made over the years, there was a young man who heard her message. And he may be on the other side of the country now, but he still remembers it. You know, this actually came home to me just a few weeks ago when I received a really encouraging email from a former student of mine. I was sitting in my desk after school one day when an email popped up. And this was from a former student whose name is Aaron. And she is now working for the Air Force as a historian. Here's an excerpt from her email, and I'll just read parts of it. Good afternoon, Mr. Parker. I hope I was one of those students who sticks out in your mind because you always thought she's going to make something of herself. If not, 20 years ago, I was in your writing class at South Intermediate. I wanted to send you a maybe not too quick email about the recent events in my life and how you share some of the blame in December 2015, I graduated with a BA in history. I did pretty well since a history degree is mainly reading, researching, and writing, and I still have a very fond passion for writing. Not knowing what to do with my new achievement, I started looking on USA Jobs for a career and found one with the United States Air Force as a historian. After my internship, I will be transferred to an AF wing to run my own history office, and I'll be responsible for writing the annual history, researching whatever needs researching, and overseeing heritage projects and doing pretty much whatever the commander asks. All that aside, I wanted to tell you a lot has happened because of the confidence that you gave me when I was a freshman at South. It was your writing class which gave me the opportunity and courage to share and improve my writing. My grammar may be lacking, but I'm better able to paint pictures with my words, a talent many historians are without. That courage you nurtured enabled me to better articulate my thoughts and write entertaining history and even inspire others. She goes on, a few months ago, I was asked to present a speech to a few hundred people and what came natural to me and didn't seem that difficult to accomplish made others rethink the purpose of their careers in life. 
I actually have strangers come up to me in the halls at work wanting to shake my hand as if I am in a jello pudding. I received a thank you card from a two-star general who credited me with the success of the event. My boss had me expound on the speech and had it published in our Air Force and Museum program newsletter. It's all a bit overwhelming because it was not that difficult. It was easy. I sat down, wrote a few pages, and that was it. Maybe the presentation part was terrifying, but the writing portion was a cake. And that came from you and your class. Without either, I would have given up on writing a long time ago. I hope things are well for, for you and SkyTube. Once again, thank you. Now, not only was this email touching, but it was also encouraging to see the amazing influence that this young woman is having in her work 20 years after I was a classroom teacher who got her one period of a day. So let's wrap this up. This week, as I am sitting through conversations with other principals and doing advocacy, I've been surrounded by men and women from all over the United States, each with their own unique stories about their schools. And these are people who love their students. They're passionate about supporting teachers. They're willing to travel long distances to have uncomfortable conversations with elected officials. But I bet each one of them has something in common with my experience. I bet they have something in common with yours, that each one of us has stories of regret and stories of gratitude. So this week as school leaders, I want to encourage you as you reflect on the work that you do, that you don't forget that as you're managing personnel decisions or implementing policies for student discipline or guiding choices on curriculum or instruction, whatever the tasks ahead that you have, don't forget that at the end of the day, the moments that matter most will often be those small ones, maybe the 20-second conversations. Perhaps it's a word of encouragement that you're offering a teacher or a student, or maybe it's a reminder that you give someone that he or she is talented or has something to offer the world. Maybe it's a program that you're helping develop. Whatever it is, as you think about your work today as a school leader, let me encourage you to be in the moment. Let me encourage you that regardless of the regrets, that you stay focused on the rewards. So now it's your turn. So where are places in your leadership today where you recognize that you need room to grow? Because I still have lots of room to grow. But don't be afraid to let others as they're showing you your blind spots, to also be looking for those small moments where you can be encouraging and influencing others. No matter what pressures that you're facing throughout your school, keep in mind that there are others whose lives are simply or sometimes radically influenced when they know that you believe in them and that you want the best for them and that you provide opportunities for them to learn. I hope that's helpful. And if this post has been encouraging to you in any way at all, I would encourage you to pass it along to others and share it out. If you want other free resources like this one, you can check out other posts at my website at williamdparker.com. I'd love to share a free ebook with you. If you want to subscribe for my weekly updates, you can do so at my website. If you want to check out my book, Principal Matters, the Motivation, Courage, Action, and Teamwork Needed for School Leaders, you can do that there or at amazon.com. I hope you have a fantastic week. And until next time, thanks for doing work that matters. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey.